find two places for me at 1 Samuel 14, the 14th chapter, and also Luke chapter 16. 1 Samuel 14 and Luke chapter 16. We'll read uh, Luke first, then we'll read 1 Samuel 14. Uh, I'm talking to you about the helps ministry, of course, and we're, soon, we're talking about how to help someone. And we said uh, the first point that we mentioned to you is that a true helper is one whose heart God has touched. And so you have somebody in your heart and on your heart to help them. God did that. It's not according to just your personal preference, but, uh, but God put somebody on your heart. And so now you're starting from the right foundation. But also, to be a good helper, you've got to have an unselfish heart. An unselfish heart. And this is a big factor. And I'll be frank with you, you don't just meet really unselfish people all over the place. You don't. I think sometimes we just kind of sit in church and assume everybody's full of faith. Everybody walks in the love of God. Everybody, but no, no, that's not reality. The nature of your flesh and my flesh is selfishness. That's the nature of your flesh. And unless you let the love of God inside you dominate you, and unless you, your spirit's stronger than your flesh, then you will be selfish. And every day of your life, you're tempted to be selfish. You will be today. You will be tomorrow. That's just life. Because you got flesh. This flesh, how many of this flesh is not born again? Hmm? About half the crowd knew. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me make you aware. This flesh, this body is not born again at this present time. It was your inner man that got born again. And it didn't say the love of God shed abroad in your flesh. It's not. It's shed abroad in your heart on the inside of you. And if your flesh is stronger and more predominant in your life than your spirit, then you're going to be selfish, period. But if you'll feed your spirit and let your spirit be stronger and, you, and, and keep your flesh under, then even though your flesh will have the same tendencies as Joe Sinners down the street, yet you don't yield to those tendencies. And even though you feel like and are tempted to be selfish and tempted to just do your own thing and do things for your own benefit, you don't do that. You lay that aside and uh, you are unselfish. One of the most wonderful things uh, about a person is if they're unselfish. It is really refreshing to meet people that are truly unselfish. You, like I said, you just don't meet people all the time that are really unselfish. Most people have pretty much got themselves and what they want on their mind most of the time. And I'm, I'm talking about Christian people. But you can grow. You can grow. You, you can feed your heart and you can grow until you, you go for hours at a time not even think about yourself. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
And then you grow and you go longer than that. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and you, you can grow to the point where people come to you and say, well, hey, what are you getting out of this? What? And you never even thought about that. And that, you, that you never even crossed your mind. Well, this is costing you, and they're the ones that's benefiting, and you, 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 st- you, you never even thought about it. You, you're not seeing it from their perspective. That means you've grown. I said, that means you've grown. You know, people in the world are so afraid somebody's going to take advantage of me. And that same spirit is carried over into the church. Well, somebody's going to use me. Somebody's going to take... And and the the thing is, they've prayed half their life, God used me. (laughs) And then somebody began to utilize them a little bit and they say, I feel used. I thought you wanted to be used. <laughs> now there's a difference between somebody abusing you and somebody using you. Using you to help. Using you to do something for them. Is that right? You know, I was in, I, I studied some of these things on the plane coming down yesterday. And then you got a good long stretch from Dallas to Oakland. And, uh, I studied on deacons, deacons, because deacons are helpers. And the word deacon literally means one who runs to fetch something. That's exactly right. That's what I was going to say. The deacons are the original gophers. Now that that go over, like Brother Hagin says, like a lead balloon in a lot of churches, wouldn't it? I mean, that just... Because, I mean, deacons are, we're not gophers. We run the show, you know. No, no, that's not, that's not the way it was supposed to be. It wasn't that way from the beginning. I mean, some of the first real deacons you see over in Acts 6, where, you know, they had some problems about the distribution of food, and the leaders said, you know, it's not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. It's not reasonable. What should leaders do, those that are called to the speaking ministry? Well, they should give themselves to that, and that's what they say. We're going to give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And uh, it's, it's difficult to do that adequately if you don't have good help, people taking care of things. But uh, these deacons that were appointed and chosen, what was their job? To go fetch the food. <laughs> Is that right? And literally serve tables. Literally. Now we know a couple of these fellows later on wound up being in one of the five-fold ministry gifts, but that's not to assume that all of them did. Perhaps the other, what was it, five or so, they might have served in that capacity the rest of their life. And it might have been God's perfect will and, and they'll be blessed with their faithfulness just like Philip would have been or Stephen would have been. For what they did, because all of them were just doing what God told them to do. But uh, I said, to be a good helper, you've got to have an unselfish heart. Look at these scriptures. In Luke 16, Luke 16, verse 10. This is the uh, account and story of the unjust steward. 
Now, a steward is somebody who's put in charge of something. And a helper is, in a sense, a steward. You give them a charge, you know, take care of this for me. Well, they're a steward of that particular area or job. And he said in verse 10, Jesus said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If, therefore, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, now, stop there. Basically what he said, if you hadn't been faithful with natural things, who will commit to you the spiritual things? And the true thing. See, sometimes people think, well, this is just natural stuff. It doesn't make that much difference. Oh, it does to God. Oh, it major time. I mean, he is big on stewardship. And he's big on faithfulness. And, you don't, and don't look at something as, well, this is just a little small, insignificant, little natural job. And I'm not just talking about things you would do around the church. I'm talking about what you do on your secular job. I mean, how many know the Bible has much to say in the New Testament about employers and employees? I mean, it's called masters and servants, but it's really a similar situation if you apply it correctly. And I mean, he said, do what you do as unto the Lord, right? As unto the Lord. You know, your, your work, whether you're sweeping a floor or parking a car or changing a diaper or what are you, whatever you're doing, your work does not only have to pass your leader's inspection. But there will come a day when all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and all of our works will get the fire test. That's right. Not just pastors and teachers and preachers. Everybody is going to get the fire test. Everybody. And if your work was not of a quality that the Lord directed you to do, then it will be consumed in the fire. And you won't get any reward for what you did, no matter how hard you work and how much you sweat. And so we, we need to realize that we're not just only trying to adhere to our leaders' standards that they've set, but the master's standard. Amen. Is that right? That, that'll, that'll cause you to do it better. Do a better job again and again. But notice this next verse that he said. He said... And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now, the Lord helped me to see something from this verse uh, a few years back that I hadn't really noticed. He emphasized to me that those two words, another man's, that which is another man's. And he emphasized to me, that there's a sense, sometimes people don't like to sit like this, but I'll, I'll explain. There's a sense in which if, if somebody's pastor of a church, in a sense, that's their church. If you're helping them, in one sense, even though it is your church if you attend, in another sense, it's not your church in the sense that you're responsible for it like they are. If you're the head of a ministry... In one sense, of course, we, we know it's, it's all the Lord's work if we look at it correctly. But in one sense, it's yours. And if it's people that's helping you, it's not theirs in the sense we're talking about. It's yours. And they're helping you with yours. Now, I say that for a reason. 
Because sometimes people, they, they look at leaders as just, well, they're just a part of the machinery. But this is just as much ours as it is theirs. In one sense, that would be true concerning the local church. This is our church, but not in the sense that you run it the way you want it run. Now, let me explain. If, if you're responsible for something, you should have some say-so about it. If you're going to have to give an account of it, you should have the freedom to do it the way you believe it should be done. I've used this example a little bare repetition. If, if uh, some of you have small children and you're going out of town for a weekend or something and we were your friends, you knew us, and, and you said, Brother Keith, would you and Phyllis, would you all keep our three little children for the weekend? And if we were to say, okay, this is all purely supposition, okay? And we were to say, yeah, fine, we'd do it. And you said, now listen, Brother Keith, I'm holding you responsible for my children. Don't you let them get out in the road and get run over. Don't you let them get hurt. I mean, you watch them, you feed them, you take care of them. Don't you let them get hurt. Don't you let anything happen to them. I'm holding you responsible. Oh, okay, all right, I understand that. And then you turned around in a few minutes and you said, but... You are not their parents, and you do not have any authority to correct them, much less discipline them. Don't you dare speak sharply or correctively to them, and don't you dare think about spanking them. Well, now, does that work? No, that's not going to I can't. I can't accept that, right? Because you're telling me I can't even correct them? I can't, I can't, you know, make them do what they should do. They don't even have to listen to me if they're out playing in the road and I say, come in. They say, I don't want to and I can't correct them. That's crazy, right? You've got to give me some say-so and authority concerning them while they're with me. Is that right? Maybe not complete, but some. You've got to give me some or that's why there's no way you can reasonably hold me responsible for it. And the same thing is true. Uh, the Bible says over in Hebrews 13 that leaders will give an account for those that they're over in the Lord. And if they're, if they're going to have to give an account, they ought to have some say-so. Is that right? In how it's done. Go with me back to 1 Samuel and just keep these thoughts in mind and you'll see what I'm talking about. Back to our scripture in 1 Samuel 14, I believe it was, yeah. 1 Samuel 14. You see a good example of a, a, a helper's heart, a heart that's right. In the situation of uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer. An armor bearer was somebody that accompanied you and helped you fight. They were there. Whatever you needed to help you, back you up, watch you back, uh, take care of you, you know, help you. And uh, Jonathan has faith. The man has faith. He, all the, all the Israel so, Israeli soldiers are scared and hiding and what have you, and the enemies got them bluffed. And he got tired of that. And I guess he'd been praying and thinking about it, and he stood up one day, he said, you know, the Lord's a big God. I mean, he could win a battle with a bunch of people or a, a, just a few people. God's got faith. 
And he said, he told his armor bearer, he said, come on. You know, God can give them into our hands. And so he said, this is what we'll do. We'll show ourselves to the enemy. And he actually put out a fleece, which they didn't have the Holy Ghost like we do. So they, you couldn't just tell them, we'll just be led. How? They, you know, they didn't have what we have today. And so they put out a fleece. And he said, well, he said, uh, we show ourselves to them. And if they say, just stay put and we'll come take care of you. He said, well, we know that's not God, so we'll leave. He said, but if they say, you know, come on up to us and we'll show you a thing or two. He said, we'll, we'll take that as a sign from God that the Lord's with us and we'll go up. And they're going to attack them, just them two. It's going to attack the enemy. And a man's got faith. He does. He's not just being stupid. He's, he's doing this out of faith. And uh, so in the 14th chapter here, in verse 6, he said, Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, this is his helper. He said, come, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be the Lord will work for us. For there's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart turn you. Behold, I am with you according to your heart. Now that's unselfish, isn't it? He didn't say, well, now, now Jonathan, I don't know if that's such a good idea. I mean, I, I know that you pray and hear from God, but say, I got my own ideas. No, what did he say? He said, I'm with you. Man, you go left, I go left. You go right, I go right. You want to go, I go. You want to stay, I stay. I'm with you. According to whatever you got in your heart. It's if God touches your heart concerning somebody, he's not necessarily going to tell you everything he put in their heart. But if he told you to help them, then when they tell you they've got something on, your, on their heart, unless it's just blatantly in contradiction to the written word or something, then you're supposed to help them. And yet so many times people, they've never got a revelation and they think, well, God didn't tell me. Well, he didn't tell you he's going to tell you everything. He just told you to help. Is that right? And the Lord is not going to tell all the followers everything he's going to tell the leader. I mean, you think about all the things that happened with the children of Israel, with Moses and Aaron. They built the tabernacle and all those articles. None of those people, you know, said that God gave them a vision. God talked to Moses. And then he told them what he had on his heart that God had showed him. And they hooked up with him and did it. God may touch your heart to help someone, but that doesn't mean he's going to tell you the details of how He's already told them some things or he's telling them some things and he just told you to help. That's enough. And you help them according to their heart. And let me say it like this. When the Lord touches your heart to help somebody, you are not to help them the way you think they need to be helped. You are to help them the way they want you to help them. Now, there's a big difference there. I don't know if you've meditated on it that much, but there's a huge big difference. You're not to help people the way you feel they need help. 
or the way you want to help them. You help them the way they want you to help them. And you don't just know that automatically. I said, you don't just know that automatically. Well, I, I know how they need to be helped. No, no, no. Have you talked to them? Have they talked to you? And a big aspect of being a good helper is being able to hear. Then that's a big factor. Being able to hear effectively and correctly. A whole lot of people don't hear very well. Now, I don't mean there's something wrong with their natural ears either. I mean, they, they hear what they want to hear. They put their own twist on what they hear. That's such a huge problem. Such a huge problem. The Lord helped me. I've been very interested in the subject of pride and humility for years. That before I ever came to Ramah, years ago, before I ever knew I was even called to the ministry, the Lord ministered to me, especially one time in, in my home, about uh, Numbers 12. And he said, Moses, now the man Moses was meek above all men on the face of the earth. And I read that and the Lord said, did you notice that Moses was the meekest man in his generation? I thought, yeah. He said, did you also remember that he's the most used man in his generation? And I saw the connection. And so I've been very interested in that ever since. God gives grace to the humble. But see, there's a lot of confusion about what pride is and what humility is. Every year the Lord, seemed like every year he gives me another thing or two, what pride is, how, what it looks like. Because you've got to be able to identify it before you can deal with it. And one thing that I hadn't really thought that much about that he spoke to me a year or two ago about what pride is, is you can see pride in how someone answers a question. What do you mean? Well, I, like I said, I've had several people who've worked under me and with me, and sometimes you ask people a question, and they don't tell you what you ask, they tell you what they want to tell you, or what they think you really need to know. That's pride and insubordination. And they don't even realize it. Because they're not even thinking right. People have never disciplined themselves and trained themselves. And sometimes they don't realize that as the leader, you've already thought about some things that they've thought about. You don't want to know everything they want to tell you. You want to know what you asked. Tell me what I asked. So, and sometimes you have to ask people a half dozen times before they finally tell you what you asked. They say, well, uh, uh, yeah, I know what you want, you know, I know what you want, but let me tell you that. No, I don't want you to tell me that. Tell me what I asked you. And sometimes you got to go, I mean, you've got to go through a major ordeal to get people to answer a simple question. Why? Because they got a better idea than you. You understand what I'm saying? Quote better. They, they feel like, well, I know what you ask, but I know what you really need. Well, I know what they told me to do, but having gotten here and looked at it, I can tell that that's not really exactly what we need. So I will, this is what, I'm sure they'll be happy. Be careful about surprises. Pride assumes, well, hey, my judgment and my opinion is so superior, who wouldn't want what I want? Is that right? Pride assumes, well, there's no need in asking. I mean, hey, my idea is the greatest, of course. We all know that. So there's no need in No, pride assumes you want what I want. Pride assumes you'll agree with me, of course. 
And so it just goes on and does stuff. Humility asks. Humility is not assuming. It doesn't assume anything. It asks. You think you know, but you ask anyway. I mean, it's always better to say, well, I, I thought that's, I thought that's the way it was. I thought that's what you wanted. Just wanted to make sure than to come up and, uh, you know, you surprised them, but they're not smiling. <laughs> Surprise! And they're going, what did you do? <laughs> because uh, God may say some things to leaders that he didn't say to you. He will. And show them some things that you, 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 you may not, you won't be seeing the whole picture that they're seeing. And so you, you're basing some decisions on what you think, but you're not seeing some things that they see on another side. So a, a real heart of a helper is an unselfish heart. And before you can help somebody the way they want you to help them, you've got to find out how they want you to help them. And, and you can't just assume that you know. You've got to find out. A lot of times you just got to ask if you have access or you ask somebody that does have access. Ask them to ask them. Find out. Make sure you're clear on it. If, you, if you're the least bit unclear, go back and check. And you know, people are so dishonest. They are so, I don't know at the times that I've talked to people and, and I've asked them, now wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not what I told you. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? And they know, they know better. They know in their heart that they took liberties they shouldn't have taken. They know that's not what you said, and yet they try to make it like it is. That's dishonest. And that's serious. That's serious. That, that'll aggravate me more than anything. I'd rather you hit me with a two before than to lie to me. I mean, if you tore up the car and burnt down the house and shot the dog, just tell me. Just tell me. We'll deal with it, all right? But tell me. Tell me. Don't stand there and go, well, I thought you said burn the house down. I, 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 you said you didn't like that dog. I'm going to pay. That's, that's lying. That's deception. Be honest. Amen. Hallelujah. Be honest. Just say, yeah, I knew what you said, but I just thought I'd do something else. <laughs> I see people know that's not right. But if you did it, just at least be honest enough to say you did. Now you got something to work with. But, you know, you can't, you can't even get to the real issues. You can't even deal with things properly as long as people are snowing you about what they really, well, I thought you said this. Well, I thought you, now, don't misunderstand. Sometimes people do have communication breakdowns, but a lot of times they knew. But now they see they're in trouble and they're covering their tracks and they're trying to say, well, I, you know, I misunderstood you. Don't say that unless it's a fact. Don't say that because I'm telling you, God hates lying. He hates it. I didn't say he dislikes it. He hates it. He despises it. 
And, and he can't help you unless you'll humble yourself. He'll give you grace if you humble yourself. And be honest. Be honest. You know, the Lord showed me this a while back. You know, how many remember the parable of the sower? He talks about the different kinds of ground, wayside ground, thorny ground, stony ground, good ground. We all want to be good ground, don't we? Amen. The good ground is the kind that brings forth the fruit and the harvest. And the Lord asked me, he said, did you see one of the major characteristics of good ground? What makes good ground good ground? And in Luke, it said, when a good and honest heart. A good, and he said, he's describing the good ground in a good and honest heart. Well, honesty is so refreshing to really see people that are, I mean, they're being very genuine and honest. If you're really going to help somebody, you got to be honest. If you make mistakes, which people are going to make mistakes. But if you do, be just as honest as you know how. Do it. I mean, if you took liberties, confess and say, well, I thought this would be all right. And I know you didn't, I know you didn't say that. I know you didn't tell me, but I thought it'd be, at least you're being honest. Take, take responsibility for it. But you don't help people the way you think they should be helped. You help them the way they want you to help them. And that can be a whole education within itself. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 5, to know those that labor among you and are over you in the Lord. To know them. So you got to know them. And I've talked to people... We have CES, you know, there on the campus, and, and we get to talk to a lot of helps ministers, associates, music ministers, and what have you. And so many times, people in, in charismatic circles have had some wrong ideas about things. They've thought that the only really, real prerequisite for doing good is knowing the Holy Ghost. And so the only thing they try to focus on was I know the Holy Ghost and know what the Holy Ghost is doing. No, to help somebody, you also have to know them to a degree. That's right. Amen. Because some, I'll, I'll be frank with you, I've helped, uh, I've helped Pastor Hagen. I've helped Brother Hagen Sr. day after day, day in, day out for years. And, uh, what I, some, some of the things that I learned to do that helped them had nothing to do with me hearing from God. I learned what they liked. Mm -hmm. And then there were some other things that had to do with me hearing from God. But some of it was not that I got some great revelation from above. That I found, I, they said, they, I heard them say, I don't like this. I do like this. And some things that minister to them, then that helps them to do a better job. You understand? And you don't have to have a vision or hear an audible voice. You can ask them, what do you like? Well, God didn't tell me. Well, what did they tell you? Unless it's just something blatantly against the scripture or something, if God touched your heart to help them, do it the way they like it. The way they like it done. Sometimes people try to over-spiritualize things. They think everything has to be come down from heaven written in stone, you know. No, 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 no. God, it's, it's a real revelation to a lot of people that God leaves quite a lot up to us. You know? Some of the people fast and pray about whether the Lord would say, buy the Chevy or the Ford or the Chrysler. <laughs> he doesn't care. 
Right. I said, he doesn't care. He will let you decide. I mean, people stand in front of their closet. Should I wear the red or the pink? Come on, Lord, now tell me. Should I wear the blue? Let me see. Let me see. What am I getting? I'll tell you what you're getting. You're getting late. Grab something and put it on and let's go. I like that Now, don't misunderstand me. You can check your own heart to see what seems best to you, but that doesn't necessarily mean God is telling you, I have chosen this and this alone for you. That's what you like. He will leave, the Lord leaves some stuff up to you. There's some things that he could care less. What do you like? Help yourself. You know, it will stand outside the ice cream place. Say, Lord, there's 39 flavors. Show me which one is right for today. <laughs> I know that's a bit extreme, but some folk get just about that, that extreme. And you, you see associates, and you see music ministers, and you see uh, department heads saying, well, the Lord didn't tell me that. Well, what did the pastor say? What did the leaders say? A lot of times that's all you need. I mean, that's, that's it. Well, I didn't hear from Who said you had to hear everything? You heard to help. Now help. Right? <laughs> you heard to help. Now help. Help. Now, again, if you're going to help somebody properly, you don't help them the way you think they should be helped. You help them the way they want you to help them. In Philippians 2, won't you just flip over there real quick? Philippians 2. And notice something Paul said concerning one of his most faithful helpers. Some language he used to describe some things. Philippians 2, in verse 19, Philippians 2.19, Paul said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man who knows the Holy Ghost as well. Hmm? No man like-minded. Minded like who? Like Paul. Is that right? I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all do what? They seek their own. Selfish. Can you see that? Not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Like-mindedness. That's, a, that's a, another aspect of unselfishness. You're not really going to focus in and even make the effort to try to find out what somebody likes and what they want if you're just more concerned about what you want. There you go. Come on. Right? right. You, that, that's why people don't. 
It's not that people can't find out what people like. They just don't care. They, they care about what they like. And that's what they think about. To, but to be a good helper, you've got to forget about what you like. Find out what they like. And help them the way they want to be helped. And you can do that. And it's a, it's a joy in it. And in fact, it, ta- it takes some, uh, in some situations, it, it, it relieves you. You know, uh, that's, you know, I've been, people ask me a lot of times, well, Brother Keith, when are you going to get out on your own ministry? When are you going to get out on your own ministry? Well, I'm in the ministry right now. I feel like it. I'm in the ministry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, having my name on everything is not really my objective. I want to be where I can do the most good in the kingdom of God. That's what I want to be doing. And, you know, if the Lord gives me further orders, then we'll do what, what he directs me to do. But uh, there are some benefits working for somebody else. There's a whole lot of things I don't have to even pray about. I just show up and say, uh, they say, I heard from God. I say, hey, great, great. If you missed it, it's your situation. I'll help you with it. If it's not right, hey, it's not my, it's not my area. I pray for them and say, Lord, help them. But you understand what I'm saying? I don't have to fast and pray and seek the major direction for that ministry. I mean, I'll, I'll pray for them and what have you. But I mean, there's some benefits. You don't have to judge everything. You don't have to find out about everything. You don't have to hear from God about everything. Hey, I help. You say you heard from God? Great. Let's go. Let's go. But what if they're wrong? God will hold them responsible. He told me to help. I'm helping them. Is that right? <laughs> and that's a fact. That's a fact. I mean, unless they just get bizarre away from the Bible totally, then if you're helping, then that's what God told you to help, even if they're missing it. Is that right? You'll be okay. You won't be in trouble because you're doing what he told you to do. And so there are some benefits to being a helper. You don't have all the responsibility of hearing from God and making all the decisions. You just have the responsibility of jumping in and helping the decisions made. You know? How many can live with less pressure? Did you handle that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, with less, less decisions. See, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. People take too much on themselves. They think, well, I have to hear for the pastor. No, 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 no. You hear from the pastor. <laughs> what, he, what he or she, what they've heard, you see. <laughs> and when you hear from them or from the leaders, you don't have to go on a 10-day fast and see if you think it's God. You don't, you don't even have to judge it. The Bible said, judge nothing before the time. You just say, hey. Great. Let's go. Right? Well, think about it anyway. Uh, finally, I don't want to keep you all day. Finally, to be a good helper, you've got to be faithful. You've got to be faithful. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says this. You don't have to turn there. I just read it to you. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. 
says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's 1 Corinthians 4.2. As we said, a steward is someone who's given a charge concerning something. And uh, you must be faithful to be a good helper. An unfaithful helper is not a good helper. A lot of times you're better off not having the helper than having an unfaithful helper. Now this, you could do a whole teaching, you understand, on faithfulness in and of itself. But just a couple of things I want to mention to you relative to being a faithful helper. A faithful helper is a dependable helper. Dependable. If a person's faithful, that means you can count on them. If they said, I will do this, then I mean, you don't even have to check it. It's done. They will do it. I mean, if there's any way humanly possible, they'll do it. If they happen to be in a coma in the hospital, their relative will call you. Is that right? And say they were trying to do it uh, while they were putting them on the ambulance. But they just are not physically able to be there. You wonder, you wonder about people and yet you know what it is. They're just carnal and selfish and just completely absorbed in their own lives and their selfish endeavors. Because folk will sign up for stuff and just not show. They'll tell you they're going to be there and just not show. And the thing is, you, you, you think, well, maybe something's wrong. Maybe something bad happened. No, they just were too tired. They didn't get up that morning. Or just silly stuff. Just silly stuff. Unfaithful. I know a few years ago, I had a fellow who was a good musician who was helping me. And I mean, tremendous ability. Guy, good ability. And I was really glad to have him because he was helping me a lot. But he, he came late. And I don't mean a lot late, but you know, minute late. Two minutes late. And uh, I told him, I said, now, you know how Brother Hagin is? And I guess I've stayed under him a while. I, I feel the same way. I like to start on time. If I say such and such time, uh, our time start time is 2.15. I said 2.15 is not 2.16. I want you here at 2.15. If I decide to start late, that's another thing. I'll make that decision. But you be ready to go at 2.15. Not 2.15 and a half. 2.15. I want you to be ready to go. Unless I tell you different, when the, when the second hand hits 2.15, go. Go. Now I said it as plain as I knew how. He's late again. So I told him, I said, if you're late one more time, I'm not using you. Somebody said, that's harsh. He needed it. He needed it. Somebody said, well, people say, well, I just have trouble getting there. You have trouble because it's not a priority to you. Well, I forget. You remember what's important to you. No, no, no. People that are, people that are chronically late are fleshy in those areas. You know? And that's in every area. Every area. I know uh, uh, we have friends that, you know, think about, think about some friends that every meeting that they come to, they're late. I don't mean 10 minutes late. I don't mean 15 minutes late. 
And I know, I know one, one couple know why they're always late, cause his wife is never ready. Never. Never. Always late. He's always waiting on her. Always waiting on her. Always waiting on her. She's unsubmissive. She's not submitting to it. Are you with me? I know my wife and I had trouble about that when we first got married. And then she got filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, <laughs> got saved, you know. Things change when people get saved. No, no, no. But she, but, but we, we did, you know, we did begin to grow. I'm understanding. I'm not asking for testimonies in here now, but, uh, people that have had, I mean, fight after fight after fight after fight. How much better people's life would be if they just eliminate that? And the reason people are always running late is because they're doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing. Their priorities are wrong. They take too much time doing stuff. They're not prepared. They get up late. And that's all just flesh. Just fleshy. I don't care how God uses you in other areas. If you do that, you're fleshy in that area. Are you with me? And it's true. You, you just, you know, you don't keep people waiting on you. If you help with the music department, if you help with the children, if you help with the, you, you know, if you're always the last one there and you're late and they're waiting on you to start, something's wrong. Something's bad wrong. You are not giving the work of the Lord the priority in your life that you're supposed to. I mean, if the Lord told you, you're going to help him with something personally. And he said, be there at six o'clock. Would you get there at seven? And make the Lord Jesus wait on you? Hmm? Well, are we helping him any less because he's not here in the flesh? No, 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 no. It's, it's people don't take the work of the Lord important. Now, I endeavor to be, you know, lenient and, and, and give people space on things that don't make much difference. But I take the work of the Lord very seriously. I do. And man, when it's time for service, it's time to go. I mean, stuff's supposed to be ready. It's supposed to be right. If you make a mistake, you make a mistake, but don't let it be because you didn't try. Don't let it be because you overslept and weren't prepared and didn't put forth the effort. I mean, I, I take it seriously. Why? Because I believe this is the work of the Lord. Don't you? In order to be done right. In order to be done to the best of our ability, the best we can do. If it means staying up half the night, then you do. So you're ready the next morning. Is that right? If it means staying late after the service and making church right for the next service, you do it, you do it, you do it. You do it. All this goof off, shifty stuff and sloppy stuff, it's fleshly. It's not right. It's not right. I've seen Brother Hagin get as aggravated about stuff like that as anything. And uh, he's right. I remember one day, Patsy used to be Beerman, now Caminetti and myself were helping Brother Hagen with music. We'd been doing it for a little while. And we knew better. We knew better. And we'd come up at the end of the service and sing a song. He got to the close of the service. He looked over at us. He said, y'all come up and sing something. Well, if you know that the service closes every day and you sing a song every day at the end of the service, you should be thinking about singing a song. 
at the end of the service, because you do it every day. Right? <clears throat> we were sitting there, and we weren't, you know, weren't as sharp as we should have been. And uh, sometimes I'd sing, sometimes she'd play, and sometimes she'd sing and I'd play. She said, uh, you got something you want to do? I said, not really. I said, do you? She said, not really. I said, she said, you can sing something. I said, I don't care. You can. And we did that maybe 15 seconds. Now, I'm not talking about a long time. Just, just a little while. And Brother Hagin was continuing to teach a little bit and talk. He looked over and he saw we were still sitting down. Now, it hadn't been long. You know, 15, 20 seconds. It hadn't been long. Maybe 30. I don't know. You know, it wasn't long. He looked over at us. He said, if I'd known it was going to take you that long, I wouldn't even have called you. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Somebody said, well, what difference does it make? He was still talking to whatever. The difference it makes is how important you consider the Word of God and how much effort you put into what you're doing. If you count it important and you take it seriously, I don't mean you get in bondage over it, but you just are not slouchy and sloppy with it. You do the best you know how to do. Then you're on your toes. You're thinking ahead. You're planning to make things go smooth and make them go right. Do what you know to do. And so sometimes people have asked me why, if he calls me, that sometimes I, I get up there kind of briskly. Well, <clears throat> that's how I was trained. Now, um, I said that you need to have a faithful heart. I said one part of faithfulness is being what? Dependable. And how many understand that if you do something and people have to come back and do it over, what good was it? You know, are you helping them? If you are so undependable that they have to come by and check it to make sure that you did it, then you're not helping them. I said, you're not helping them. I mean, that's one, you know, I, I'm busy teaching at school, and then a lot, a lot of times I'll come right from third hour, I might get me a bite to eat, I'm looking at some stuff, and then I go in to teach healing school, and if I have to go out there and check to make sure the mics are on, and check to make sure this, what is, what's the use of me having anybody to help me? I mean, if I'm going to do it myself, I'll do it myself. But when you can really turn something over to somebody and you've told them how you want it done and you know it'll be done and you know it'll be done the way you want it done and it's that way day after day so you can just forget about it, man, it's a help. Man, it's a help. Because you, you know it's going to be done. You know it dependable, faithful. Thank God for faithful people. Also, though, faithfulness involves in a helper confidentiality confidentiality. Proverbs says, what is it? Proverbs eleven thirteen or so. It says, he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. That means they keep a secret. Proverbs also says, a faithful man who can find. They're not just plentiful everywhere. I've found this to be true. If you really want to keep a secret, don't tell anybody. If you want to make sure that it doesn't get out, so many people, bless their hearts, they're unfaithful in this respect. And that's one, one thing that some people are real wary about because they've been burned so many times. They've had people that help them, 
And people that find out maybe a few things about their personal life, that's not necessarily bad or wrong, but you just don't want everybody knowing all the details and affairs of your personal business. And yet, that's one, sometimes that's people's one of their main reasons for wanting to help is because they want to know. They want to know the inner workings of people's lives and they just want to get close to people. Helping people does not necessarily mean being close to them. Helping people doesn't necessarily mean spending time with them. Helping people doesn't necessarily mean being somebody's personal friend and buddy. And if that's your motivation for helping somebody, it's wrong. Well, you want to, I want to get close to them. No, you, you're supposed to want to help them. Wanting to help somebody is a completely different thing from wanting to be close to somebody. Are you with me? There's a, there are a lot of situations, a whole lot of situations where it is God for somebody to help somebody, but it's just not in the plan of God for them to become close personal friends with them. It's just not, it's, it's just not. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough to be their buddy. It's just not right. I don't know if you know that much about it, but as a, as a minister, particularly if you, if you get busy, your privacy is very precious to you. It really is. And it depends on what kind of ministry you have. I know Brother Hagin said for years that the Lord kept telling him, you know, a lot of times when he was in meetings, in between meetings, stay away from people. Stay away from people. And you might think, what? That's, that's antisocial. No, no. He's laying his life down to minister to people. But you have to watch about staying with people and talking a bunch of stuff all the time. You'll be carnal. You won't be sensitive like you ought to be. And uh, sometimes... People, they, they want you to talk with them about what they want to talk about. They got questions they want answered and a whole bunch of stuff. And it's just not what you need to be doing. It will hinder you and affect you. It'll make you not as sharp. It'll make you not as strong if you do too much socializing that's not good and right. And uh, you see it all the time that people say they want to help you. They want to help you. But... They don't really have it on their heart to help you. They they want to get close to you. They want a fellowship. And they want to ask you all their questions. You understand? But when you really have it on your heart to help people, it's not that you want them doing something for you. You want to do something for them. If they never do anything for you, you understand what I'm saying? I want to say it again now. Some people may not like this, but I'm telling you, this is right. This is This is... What the Lord's saying about this. Helping someone doesn't necessarily mean spending time with them. Or being their buddy. You understand? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. You can help people and never spend any real personal time with them. And it can be right. It doesn't mean that they're aloof from you. It just means it's it's not supposed to be can you accept that and listen to me a good helper is dependable they're there when you need them and they're not there when you don't (laughs) 
People can always ask you to stay if they want to. Is that right? Or they can ask you to go with them or ask you to do this with them or whatever. But don't, don't do that. Don't, don't pull for that. And don't hang around when it's not right and not important. You need to, you need to be able to sense that. If people were more spiritual, they would sense. They'd sense, well, well, I've done my job. It's time to go. Time to go. All right. Bye. We'll see you. If you need me, call me. Let me know. And if they wanted you to hang around, they can always say, hey, hey, won't you just stay? And if they don't say anything, you're gone. Is that right? You're out of here. Now, we all have souls and we all have needs for fellowship and what have you. And it's God that you have friends and fellowship. But that doesn't necessarily mean this person or that person. Appreciate the friends you have. Develop the fellowships that you, that you know are right. And don't pull on people when it's not right. And don't hang around when you're not supposed to. Are you with me? Now the pastors have said nothing to me about any relationships, okay? Or about anything. They're not saying, I wish you'd get up and say something about this because they've been bothering me. No, 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 no. Not at all. Nothing. 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 We came in last night and talked about seafood and Harley Davidson's mm-hmm. and funny stuff. And you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. We didn't talk about. They didn't call anybody's name to me about any problems. But I've I've served in helps capacities with different people, and the Lord taught me. And if you if you check your heart, He'll teach you. You just know it's time to get out. It's time to to bow out, say, you've done your job, go. It's time to do this, leave them alone, let them get quiet, let them do what they want to do. Well, they're going to fellowship with these people. Great, let them go, help them. Can I take care of something for you while you're gone so that you don't have to fool with it? And sometimes people feel left out because they feel like, well, I'm always helping and they don't ever talk to me and they always do with other people. Have you ever thought maybe that's the way it's supposed to be in this situation? It doesn't mean, no, no reflection on you negatively at all, but oh, the real heart of a helper delights in it and says, hey, man, if you guys are having fun with something, I don't have to be there. What, let, let me, show me, show me what I can do so you can be freer. But you, you see people just in secular jobs, because I've worked in, I worked for a little while as assistant manager of a little small shopping center, and you have people working under you, and you you see, I, you see people mad because the boss left half a day early. He didn't come in on Friday, or somebody that's you know higher up in the company or something. You know they did this or did that. Well, they well they took a three hour lunch, a three hour lunch. I mean, what do we have, you know? <laughs> but what they don't, what they are so dull to realize that if it wasn't for these people, they wouldn't have a job. Do you understand? Unthankful, ungrateful. What they don't realize a lot of times is these guys have paid their dues. They, they were, they were doing stuff you were doing years ago. You understand? Yeah. And uh, people are so short-sighted and 
They don't see and don't understand. No, 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 no. Man, I tell you what, I think I, uh, I think leaders, particularly, you know, people like Brother Hagen at our ministry, he's the, he's the main man. He ought to be able to do what he wants to, when he wants to, the way he wants to, and nobody say a peep about it. Is that right? He says, well, I'm not coming in for two months. Hey, you the man. You the man. Is that right? And I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Hey, that's, that's, the way, that's the way it's supposed to be. And you just do what the Lord tells you to do. Stay hooked and be steady. Is that right? I'm talking about being faithful. Do you understand that? And we talked about that faithfulness includes confidentiality. If you're privileged to get closer to people and you find out some things about them, don't tell everybody. Even if it, I mean, it may not even be anything bad or wrong. It's just, you know, I know with, uh, that's, that's something that has really irritated me before. If you open your heart a little bit to somebody or open your life a little bit and they, they see some of your personal life and then next thing you know, all their friends know all about what you're doing, where you're going and what you're doing and what you don't do, what you like and what you don't like. It's, it's, oh, it's wrong. Oh, it's so unfaithful. And a lot of times people feel like, hey, I'm special. I got privileged information. And when somebody tells you, don't tell anybody, don't talk about this, what does that mean? <laughs> How many people does that free you to tell? Really? But people, how many times have you ever heard this? Well, now, you know, they said don't tell anybody, but I know you won't tell anybody. <laughs> and so I'm going to tell And sometimes people even spiritualize it. You know, I was telling you this so you can pray. Oh, yeah. oh. No, you are unfaithful. You are unfaithful. And notice this too now. If somebody tells you that, well, so-and-so told me this, you know, and of course it's just between us now because they, they don't want it to get out. But <laughs> they said, don't tell, but I know you won't tell anybody. Mark it down now. If you got any sense, you don't tell them anything. Oh, well, I could tell them. They won't tell. They'll tell me their secrets, but they won't tell my secrets. You're kidding yourself. You're, you're joking. Anytime anybody ever says that to me, well, now, now you know, Brother Keith, I, I, I wouldn't just tell anybody this when they told me not to tell. But, but I'm going to tell you, man, I make a mental note. Don't tell them anything. Why? They're unfaithful. You can't, can't depend on them. And listen, a faithful person also doesn't have to be told, don't tell it. I just, you know, I have people call me, people talk to me all the time about all kinds of things. People drop by my office. And 99% of it, my wife never even knows about. Nobody. Why? Because if it's personal, it's personal. And if they say, Brother Keith, don't tell anybody. What does that mean? Don't, and I say, okay. Don't tell anybody. And I say, okay. What did I just say? I will not tell anyone. What does that mean? That means if I tell anybody anything, I lied. I'm unfaithful. People make all kind of reasons. Now sometimes, you know, I, if I felt like I ought to discuss it with my wife, I say, you know, is it okay if I 
discuss this with my wife. And a lot of times they may say, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But do you understand what I'm saying? Faithful. Most of the time, uh, I have relationships with several people. If I mentioned them, you'd, you'd know them. Some of them well known. And uh, they never tell me, don't tell anybody. They know they don't have to. They know they don't have to. They know they say it, that's it. It's the end of it right there. It never leaves that room. And if you're going to help somebody and they're going to let you into their life to some degree, you must be faithful. And if you're going to be faithful and you learn a little bit about the inner workings of something, you know, be faithful and just keep your lips zipped and just smile. And, and people will come, when they learn, learn that you start helping somebody or you learn to start working in a situation, people will come pump you, won't they? Well, what about this? Well, what, what, what's in their closet? Or, or what do they, you know, what do they like this? Or how much do they spend on this? What have you? Listen, give them nothing. Not just, I mean, don't even talk. Just, just talk, just, just go blank on them and go mute on them. And, uh, you know, if they want to talk to you, they realize real quick they're going to have to change the subject. If you're going to be a real helper, God has touched your heart. Amen. And you, you, you have a heart to be faithful. You have a heart to be diligent to help people. So pray this out loud with me. Father God, I really do want to be a blessing. Show me how I should help, who I should help, where I should help. Show me what you've put in my heart. And remind me if you've touched my heart about things in times past. Help me, Lord, by your grace to be faithful, to be dependable, to be of a faithful spirit, and to be a real help. To be such a help that those I help would thank God from their heart that the Lord sent such help that the kingdom of God may be furthered. In Jesus' name, amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelifenow.org.